This is a podcast about the adventures of wild women. And through our adventures, we become wild women. We'll get into the heart of what adventure is all about and share stories from the wild women who inspire us to reach higher and dig deeper. We'll shine a spotlight on the mystery of places in the world we've encountered in our travels and where we're dreaming of going next. All women are invited to go wild with us. Welcome. Hi, I'm Jennifer Haddo, owner and director of Wild Women Expeditions. I'll be hosting the first series of the Adventures of Wild Women podcast. In this series, we'll deep dive into finding bliss in the discomfort, the healing power of nature, and becoming wild. I'm so excited to connect with these inspiring women for a heart-to-heart to talk about our adventures and the things that really matter. Let's meet our guest. Kylan Maroney is an adventure guide, wilderness living, and traditional skills instructor and homesteader. She lives with her husband, Dave, and two animals on their remote wilderness off-grid home deep in the northern Ontario forest. Her and Dave run Lure of the North, a company passionate about all aspects of winter, wilderness travel, and northern culture. Kylan was a kick-ass challenger on season seven of History Channel's popular survival show, Alone. I was so inspired by her grit and her grace. I've known Kai for many years, since she was a paddling guide on our Wild Women Expeditions in Ontario. So I'm stoked to share her story with you. Have a listen. I want to talk to you about the love affair I know you've been having with winter. (laughs) When did it begin? Because you in your work and in so much of what you're doing in your adventures are completely enamored, it seems, with everything, everything winter and your business lure of the north is, is a vehicle for that. And, you know, you love the cold and the ice and, and all of it. And um, I'm really intrigued about what it is you love so much about the winter. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many things. But one of the main reasons that we got into winter travel was because we loved the outdoors so much. But, you know, in Ontario and Canada, we have six months of winter. And so rather than, you know, sitting inside, looking out the window, just waiting for spring so you can get your canoe or kayak back out, um, you know, we wanted to be out for as long as possible. And uh, we had been, Dave and I, my husband, we had been kind of winter camping in the uh, regular sense of like, almost like mountaineering where it's, you've got high tech gear and you just put on a bit more clothes and you have a warmer sleeping bag, but you're still sleeping in a, you know, a nylon tent. And it's a process of basically wearing down from the moment you step out of your car. And, um, you know, it never seemed sustainable, uh, for long periods of time. And we had come across a book called the snow walkers companion, mm-hmm. and it was written by Garrett and Alexandra Conover, who really emphasized the, uh, need for terrain appropriate technology and so here we were and and like most other people 
we were, you know, using the um, technology that people would use in the mountains. And Ontario is quite flat. Um, you know, it's, it has its ups and downs, but it has so much water. And so it talks about the boreal forest and how you uh, move along the waterways and pull your toboggan, all your gear is off of your back and you're using traditional snowshoes and you get to, because you've taken everything off your back, you can carry heavier loads so you're carrying a, a canvas tent with a wood stove and, um, you know, you're sleeping on a, a bed of boughs. And Dave and I went on uh, a few trips with this new style and just fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, so much so that we uh, went on a 40 day trip, just the two of us self-supported and felt like we could be out for way longer um, because it's it isn't that process of just breaking down you're you know at the end of the day you hang up all your stuff in the peak of the tent and it dries out fresh ready to go the next day and you're sitting in your t-shirt sipping a glass of wine you know it's like it's very civilized and um it it, it you can truly move through the wilderness with comfort and mm-hmm. it, i'm not saying it's easy but it's it's beautiful and yeah. um you know there's so much magic to the winter as long as you have the right gear and the right clothing um to allow you to be in that environment comfortably and safely yeah um, and you actually make a lot of your own gear you make moccasins and snowshoes mm-hmm. and i really want to get one of your um uh, Lure of the North snowshoe making kits mm. that that you sell on your website, um, because you know again, there's something that when you when you make your own gear, you really value um, value what goes into being able to have these kinds of experiences. So, how did you get into making your own gear, and and how much of that was was a challenge in in your winter yeah. adventures? Well, that was a big part of how we got into it because in the back of the Snow Walkers Companion, there's this, you know, really basic moccasin pattern. Yeah. Um, and, and they really talk about how the moccasin is just by far the superior footwear for this type of terrain and climate. So we made our first pair of moccasins from that pattern in the back. And I remember Dave had made his pair um first before I had and he just went for a walk with our dog we lived in Sudbury at the time and so we just had this little you know nature walk that was close by and he came back and he was just dancing and he was just like you've got to make these oh my gosh my feet have never been so comfortable they're so lightweight and like feels like you're just wearing slippers and you know and so from there I made my pair and then we made our own mittens and wove our own snowshoes and it was just like this because we made these moccasins and they were better than any footwear that we'd ever used uh, before in the winter Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, we had made them. It was better than anything commercially that we could find. It just spiraled us into this, like, what else can we make? What else can we make? And then Mm -hmm. our friends saw our moccasins and they wanted to make them. And so we had a little workshop in our living room and then their friends' friends wanted to make them. And And then finally, our professor at university wanted a private workshop. So we 
um, you know, we sat around his living room with his friends um, making moccasins. And at the end of the workshop, he was like, okay, this is great. We've made our moccasins, but now we need to get out and use them like Kai and Dave. Will you take us on an expedition? And he just like pointed around the circle, like, are you in? Are you in? Are you in? And that was like the birth of our very first guided expedition. So I I um I heard something that was was really um amazing to me, kind of hilarious that um that one of the reasons that you went on this adventure, uh setting out with the goal originally of spending a hundred days um alone in the wilderness, uh in the Northwest Territories, that one of the reasons you decided to go for it was you felt like you needed a vacation just to kind of get away from work that you were doing and running your winter outdoor adventure business. So you go to the Arctic and live alone in the harsh winter with little more than an axe and a sleeping bag. Okay, a lot of people are, you know, take me to a beach resort in Cancun. That's a vacation. <laughs> so what, what, what was it about this experience, this adventure that you felt like was going to be something that, um, that would take you out of your the drudgery the grind of of your uh, <laughs> your adventure business yeah yeah well don't get me wrong i love my job i love no my doubt. life um yeah it's been a busy you know 10 years and um we our business has been growing um basically as quick as we can keep up and yeah. Um, not only is the business growing, but our, we moved, you know, seven years ago to an off grid, uh, remote property. And so we, and there wasn't a single trail on the property. And so, you know, we've built all of this infrastructure and continued to grow our business. And like, I, I, I wouldn't change my, my life, uh, at all, but I was starting to feel a little burnt out yeah. and um I didn't know how to break that burnout um and and a beach in Bali not so much <laughs> I, I, I don't think I could could justify that I don't think I could, like be like no I can't actually take a vacation like this was a working vacation right like okay. I was still uh it was for our family. It was for our business. Yeah. You know, it was for me, but it was, um, you know, it was like something that would ultimately help us, you know, in the future. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think one of the reasons I was kind of joking that it was a, what well, was a break um, because life in the bush is simple. Like your mm. goal out there was to to make it another day it was to cut your firewood it was to snare a rabbit it was to catch a fish it was to work on your shelter and then beyond that you just trying to thrive you're just trying to enjoy your experience and that um change of pace was was really what I wanted. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that certainly gave it to me. And it was funny, Dave had also applied for the show. And, um, so we both made it to the, the top 20 and we get, we got flown to New York for the 
the boot camp and um i being on alone wasn't actually my mo like it wasn't something that i was like i would love to do Mm -hmm. that um it was actually dave who initially applied and when they called us they said oh like i see your wife is into the outdoors would she be willing to apply and and so i did and i didn't put any effort into it and when i we made it to the top 20 i was like sweet i get a vacation to new york (laughs) like that's how i was thinking of it it was like all expenses paid we're going to new york and then um you know when we're there something changed in me where like the production was you know talking you up and saying like all of these things to get you excited and then finally in the production the last interview with the network who basically were the people who were going to decide who was the 10 that were gonna be on the show they asked me why I wanted to do it and I just like I said like I'm tired I need a break and I you know, I started crying mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, like, great. She's willing to be vulnerable and, uh, you know, like not afraid to cry on TV or <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. Well, they nailed me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my experience with a lot of adventure that I've had in my life is that it wasn't my dream that it just kind of called me uh, maybe grab me, you know, by the scruff of the neck and said, you're up, it's your turn. Yeah. It's your time. Yeah. And it sounds like that was a bit of the dynamic for you that it's not that you had always dreamed of taking, you know, uh, a trip like this or having this kind of experience. Um, but it, it called you and, and, uh, and you answered the call. Um, I remember you saying that you wanted to go on this adventure also to show how resilient women can be. And, I wonder why that was so important to you. Were you trying to prove something to yourself or to others about the strength of women to go on an adventure like this? I think a lot of it was for myself, um, but also, you know, we live in a, uh, well, at least we did, you know, 10 years ago when I started uh, our business, it was certainly uh, male dominated. Uh, You know, we would have maybe one female come on our trip a year. And now I'm, I'm happy to say that we've, you know, like this year it's been 50% or more that have been women, which has just been thrilling for me um, to see that. But um, certainly in the beginning when it was Dave and I, you know, as a young couple, um, most of the men, you know, when it came to decision time would look to Dave and that never bothered me because it was Dave, like Dave and I, Dave has so much respect for, for women and for me. And, um, I never felt that Dave and I's partnership was ever like, a him dominating the conversation or whatever, uh, decision-making, but I, I did have that little bit of ego, uh, you know, I would get a little, uh, defensive or begrudgent on the participants that, you know, wouldn't see me as a a leader. And maybe that was like, you know, just, just my ego. But for me, I think things are changing now. I think I truly believe it. And maybe, maybe it's because I'm older and just have more confidence in myself. And so I'm seeing it, you know, seeing other women have that confidence and leadership. Um, but it was important to me to prove it to myself because 
you know, for, for 10 years, Dave and I have been business partners. We've been together for almost 14 years. And, um, I have been, uh, with this development of the property, Dave has really been the foreman, um, cause he knows construction, he knows, you know, electricity and that sort of thing. And I've just been, uh, the one that can pick things up quickly and do, do as I'm told and learn as I go. And so I've taken the role of, um, the follower and I think it takes leadership to know when to follow. Um, and I'm certainly good at that. Um, but I, I almost have forgotten or had forgotten kind of how to be a, a leader uh, up front. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to have this experience to remind myself that I can do it on my own. Um, and I do believe that it was starting to affect my confidence just in life in general, that I had, I had started to fall back on just letting Dave be the leader. Um, and so I thought through this experience of being alone and, and only relying on myself was a great opportunity for me to remind myself that I can be a leader. And in doing so, I will be able to be a better partner for Dave, a better, you know, a daughter, better sister. And uh, yeah, I think that really, really did help. I think by the end of the experience, I just felt like, um, holy shit, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that that came full circle for you because you and I first connected when you were a paddling guide with Wild Women Expeditions in Ontario, Mm -hmm. and you led women-only canoe and kayak trips there back in the day. And Mm -hmm. um, and so that experience that you had with Wild Women being in a women-only group where you know, as you say, a lot of women are looking for that experience of not defaulting to male leadership. I mean, we're not anti-men at all, mm-hmm. but it's that it's that space that's created um, where yeah. you know who's going to stir in the canoe. Well, it's going to be one of the one of the women because <laughs> that's yeah. who's in the group. And I know from many, many, many stories what an amazing. Uh, leader you were on those paddling expeditions. Um, and so, yeah, for you to have come more fully into your your power and your confidence as a leader through this experience, is, it's great to see because it's uh, mm. no doubt, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every every leader has support and has, you know, other people who may not be as, as visible um, mm-hmm. who who, uh, you know, help you get to that position. And one of the things I was really intrigued about, um, I saw a ceremony that, that, um, you did where you were welcomed by, um, an elder in the Dene first nation, um, who are the, uh, indigenous peoples of the great slave Lake, um, area where you were having your, your um, immersion Mm -hmm. adventure. And so I was really interested in what kind of relationship you felt with you know the teachings the wisdoms the the deep deep relationship that the Dene First Nations have in that place and you know to the traditional life ways um and some of the 
you know, the skills that have been developed and, and just the, the deep respect um, for that place and how people have lived in relationship with that uh, ecosystem for thousands of years. Um, so what was the learning or the, the connection that you felt with, with the peoples of that, that land? Yeah, I think anytime I'm, I think nature and the wilderness has this amazing ability to, when you're deeply immersed, immediately connect with your own roots, no matter whether you're indigenous to specifically this land. Um, we're all, you know, indigenous to some form of wilderness, yes. you know, we, and I think one of the teachings for me is, is the pace, like slowing your pace um, and seeing things for what they are and what they can be because, and one of the, one of the things I love so much about the, the Boreal forest in particular is that everything you need is, is there as long as you know where to look and um, be uh, acceptant and, and, um, and welcoming of the teachings that you're about to, to learn and not force your way through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. um, you truly have to become, you know, a part of, of the environment. And one of the things um, that struck me the most from you know, my time on the land there was how, how grateful I was for every single bunny or fish or squirrel that was given to me. And the absolute elation and, and, and to be honest, relief that after I had pulled my, my 260 snares that I had set out to see fresh bunny prints after I had removed my snares mm -hmm. and so just to see like the land is okay like I didn't you know the bunnies are still here I didn't take more than mm -hmm. I deserved or that you know was supposed to be given to me um and same thing with when I came across my my snare and a bunny had been caught but had been eaten by a lynx twice in the same day and uh, that meant that I didn't get food that day um, but I wasn't you know my initial reaction is like damn it you know but immediately I was just like well actually I'm surprised that it didn't happen sooner and actually I um I am the thief, you know, like you could say that link stole my rabbit, but actually I felt like I was the thief because I was the intruder on the land, um, that, you know, have been, has been taking the bunnies from, from this lynx who's been living here for, you know, five years or mm -hmm. however old it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to have that gratitude, you know, that, and that respect for the lynx and not feel like I need to hunt this lynx because it's gonna you know keep taking my rabbits um, yeah you know it was really clear throughout the the alone show um and i trust that the way that you were portrayed in the experience was was pretty close to 
to how it was for you. I know that there's always something that gets lost in translation in in TV shows, but I've got to talk to you about the fish mish <laughs> because <laughs> the, and I think that there's something that is very feminine um, about the approach into the relationship in the wilderness in this way is that what I saw from you was was such an authentic gratitude and and of just a not an entitlement to anything that that you were given from that place and so when I watched you fish and you were so hungry I mean you're starving literally you're freezing you're alone and it was all in the line literally and you were trying to get that next meal from beneath the hole in the ice and the absolute joy I mean you were just silly giddy <laughs> ecstatic I don't know the word I was Kai I was in tears watching you <laughs> because I've never seen somebody who was so just elated grateful I don't even know the word to capture that scene I hope everyone is, has seen you in that experience because I thought you know I want to feel that kind of joy and and you were I mean I've I'm from Newfoundland. I've done lots of fishing and I've mm -hmm. been happy when I caught a fish because we were going to have trout for supper. Um, mm -hmm. But this was different. This was you really being on that edge of, I need this fish to not starve. And mm -hmm. there was other, you know, um, rewards that, that you were going to get um, at the end of it. But I just saw such pure gratitude and joy. And I, I loved, I loved being able to witness that. So can you share a little bit about how, um, how that experience was really, because on screen it was, it was incredible to see that. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad that they, you know, they edit a lot and, yeah. uh, you know, they definitely showed me at my most vulnerable, um, throughout the experience. And I think that was something that, they liked about me is that I'd never edited my footage you know like they said you be rolling basically from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed like you should have the camera on and like mm -hmm. pretend that you're just you know you just talk as if you're talking to your best friend or whatever and um it, the camera really did become like your Wilson right yeah. like it was actually <laughs> Your, your therapist kind of. And so I definitely didn't hold back as far as being myself and showing my imperfections and, and vulnerability. Um, and so I'm grateful for that, you know, and, and on some, some levels, my, you know, my ego can get in the way of me being like, Oh, I wish they sh showed more of the times where I was just over the moon grateful you know like Callie like why couldn't they show me more like Callie because Callie was just you know pooping rainbows the whole time yeah. um but at the same time like I did struggle and and that's okay and I was totally honest and genuine about it and that fish I mean I went into the whole experience knowing that fish was going if it if I wasn't going to get a big game then fish was my absolute uh essential uh item of food that would 
you know, keep me, um, nourished. And I was so grateful for the bunnies and I crushed it on, on getting bunnies, but they weren't giving me enough of what I needed. And so the fishing, my, my land was just so shallow. Um, I was striking out with fishing. Um, I never gave up on the fishing, but, um, you know, I also had to go with what was working and that was the rabbits. And so, you know, I would, focused on the rabbits and then keep trying on the fishing. And so that journey to that first fish was a long time coming. And I think they said it was day 50 that I had caught that fish, but it was, you know, day 56. So the ice had froze um, on, I got to be on the ice on day 50. And so it was six days or seven days of, of striking out on the fishing after I thought, okay, being on the ice, I'm going to catch fish. Mm -hmm. And so I had already been sitting on that ice, you know, for a week and get got nothing. And, um, you know, I was trying different, different lures. And so the night before, so on night, 55 I decided that my lure wasn't shiny enough or big enough so I I spent hours polishing a rusty tin can with my little crappy file on my Leatherman and um and then I cut it with my crappy snips on my Leatherman into a spoon and um you know I had polished it up and and then the next day, like it happened and I caught a fish with that lure and I was just like, oh my God, I, I, yeah, I don't know what was coming out of my, my mouth. And like, I was, you were delirious yes. and it was, it was so pure. It was one of the, like I said, it just, it, it felt like this is what joy and connection and gratitude look like. And, mm -hmm. uh, it was just such a privilege to to see that. Um, yeah, I was really thankful that they yeah. didn't like edit that scene. Like they left it pretty well as long as it, uh, you know, it went on for. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a good experience. That's for sure. Oh man. It's beautiful. You know, when you're at that most challenging point in your adventure, um, and I wonder if, the, if that was it, the, the fish mish, but you really dug deep, you know, not just into the ice to catch the fish, but you, you tapped into some, I don't know, inner resource, that spirit of adventure that, you know, urges you to take another step forward. So tell me about your darkest moment on that trip mm -hmm. and how you got through it. Where were you really at your, your breaking point? Um, I think my toughest moment was feeling like I wasn't good enough. I wasn't, wasn't doing as well as I'd wanted. And, mm. um, it was when I could not figure out what was going on with the smoke in my shelter mm -hmm. and they did, they actually showed it where I was, it was a really bad snowstorm. And so you, you know, you, you didn't want to be outside. So you wanted to be in your shelter, but 
the pressure was low and that made the smoke that much worse. And so when you can't take shelter in your own home, your, you know, your shelter is, is attacking you, Mm. you know, where are you supposed to go? And, and my eyes were burning. My sinuses were so uh, sore just to touch because they had been abused uh, so much by the smoke. I was at the point where I was like, I don't know what to do. And that was, Mm. that was the most frustrating thing for me was like, I was really good at staying calm with like, okay, like, oh, this didn't go your way. Let's try something new. And like, I was always happy to try something new or just, okay, well, I'm just going to move on from that because that, you know, I'm spending too much energy doing it or whatever. And, um, you know, so there were many, many days where I was just like, I don't know how much longer I can take this smoke. And, you know, I went blind, um, three times. So, you know, I would wake up and go outside and everything was blurry. And so I'd be walking my trap line and not be able to see if there's a bunny in my snare because I couldn't tell the contrast between the, the white bunny and the white snow. Like it was just, it was terrible, but it was, it was a real test for me, for my endurance, um, and resilience. And it was, I, you know, I was at the point where it was like, okay, I've done everything that I can and I just have to bear and forbear. And so I would let my fire go out, you know, at, at night and I wouldn't light my fire in the morning. I would just get up and start moving so that I could, you know, get warm. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a real struggle for me. And that, was something that you know was really frustrating because I didn't know what I could have done differently and that's I think you know when you are problem solving and you afterwards can reflect on something and be like oh like I think that's what I should have done and so with the resources that I had um I couldn't I couldn't figure out a solution and so that was that was a pretty low time but at the same time it was an opportunity for me to just test my my resolve Mm -hmm. so i have a i have a million dollar question for you kai (laughs) why are women so damn hard on ourselves yeah oh amen i i don't know if it's a if it's just a woman's thing Uh, maybe i think maybe men are uh easier to uh, hide the fact that they're hard on themselves, but mm-hmm. um, I know as a person, I am a woman and I am damn hard on myself. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, it's hard to to blame anyone but, but yourself um, for your actions. But I think there is, you know, a deep rooted history in training women to be um perfect right like we we are supposed to be angels and and uh and we are queens of multitasking and and 
getting everything done, supporting the family and, um, and not showing your, you know, vulnerability because you're, uh, if you're an emotional person, you're seen as weak or you're seen as a crybaby or you're seen as, you know, like there's just so many reasons that our culture honors being tough and, um, always, you know, everyone is, is, racing for the top and that means you have to work longer hours you have to you know have a just tough skin and I think now or at least maybe I'm just exposing myself more to that culture shift and um, I think maybe it has to do with you know our generation we're being more open talking about our emotions and embracing that um those imperfections as qualities that are actually admirable and to be able to talk about your feelings but then also you know for me like i'm i'm a big proponent of stepping up and and getting the job done and being tough but at the same time there's a place for emotions and vulnerability within that get up and go. Like, I'm not saying you have to be one or the other. I think you can be both. And that's why I think I really wanted to do well for women because I am an emotional person. Um, and I think that, um, is relatable because I think a lot of people are that sort of, um, emotional, but also, can be that that toughness that you need so hopefully that is a a good thing and i i want to embrace that yeah you know i've seen in so many uh group experiences you know on our wild women adventures that um sometimes it's the emotional uh journey that's the most challenging you know it's Mm -hmm. the focus can be on the on the physical and on the very technical aspects of the adventure, but sometimes it's really about the inner journey where you have to, um, you know, you have to move through those challenges in a way that I think surprises a lot of people. And so either you suppress it and you just hide it, you know, and and act tougher than than maybe you feel, or you you know you let it breathe and you give it you give it some release and seeing you in that experience and how, um, how easy it was to connect with you because of the vulnerability that you expressed. Um, I think that's much more inviting for people who want to see themselves in that kind of experience. You know, they don't, um, I think the honesty, just the raw honesty that you shared was, um, was really inviting and empowering (laughs) to the women who watched it, myself included. So, you know, I was really inspired by what you said when you were approaching the end of your, your time there. And you said that you realized it, it really wasn't about winning. Um, And yes, you were in a, um, a goal oriented experience, and, and there was a certain competition in that. 
but yeah. you there was a beautiful beautiful scene uh that i saw where you know you expressed how you were really at peace with what you accomplished and that you and this was so powerful for me kai you said you realized that taking care of yourself was most important more than all the other goals of the experience and and so when you respected your own boundaries and gave yourself that care and just put that above um a lot of other things that mm -hmm. i felt like you could have you know really focused on but when you said that taking care of yourself was most important i thought that is it um so do you feel more peace in your life now having had that adventure and do you have any regrets about saying yes to the the challenge of it all <laughs> i don't live with regrets uh yeah no i think everything happens as it should and there's opportunity in in everything um and that yeah like i was in it to win it um you know it they used me as a as a pawn i think a lot of times when they you know when someone was about to leave they'd be like who's it gonna be and then they cut to me being like oh i just miss my family or like i'm i don't think i have the resilience uh you know and then someone else would go home and then the next scene would be being like psych i'm okay like yeah um i was mentally even though i was struggling mentally the most it was super tough for me but that was not what that was not why i was going to leave i was only going to leave if one i had no more food or two my health was in jeopardy um and you know my mental health was struggling i was realizing um but ultimately it was because i was uh physically starting to become a lemon like i was you know as a guide you're always stacking your lemons and the more lemons you have you know the more risk uh prone your group will be and as a guide you know you need to be able to take care of yourself without basically without even really needing to think about it because your responsibility is the group and so um i'm really good at taking care of myself and being very aware of the risks involved in swinging an axe and you know whatever just moving through the wilderness and um as time went on I was starting to realize that I was becoming a bad client. <laughs> um, so I started to notice that I was being a little bit more uh, careless around the fire and apathetic to kind of taking care of myself, in, like specifically around the fire. I noticed I was being, I'd like pick up a log that was burning without putting my glove on or like, you know just leaving my things more close to the fire and not taking care of my gear as much and just getting sort of irritable i was wearing so much clothing that i was like bumping my head on on my shelter and just started starting to get frustrated mm -hmm. whereas normally i'd just be you know really cool calm and collected with that kind of thing and um ultimately it came down to me not being able to keep my 
um, feet warm at night. Um, and my hands were starting to be affected by the cold. Um, so I'd have hot rocks in my, in my, uh, sleeping bag. And when they would go cold, um, because I had, didn't keep a fire going at night, um, I'd spend the rest of the night warming one foot by my chest. And then by the time that foot was warm, I'd have to switch because my other foot would be frozen. And, you know, I'd have my hands around uh, in the fire, basically, and the backs of my hands would still be cold. Um, so I was just noticing that my circulatory system was struggling to keep myself warm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wasn't going to let myself degrade um, to affect my long-term health. And um, yeah, I think, I think physically and mentally, like it was really smart of me to go when I did, even though I still had seven rabbits in my shelter ready to be eaten. I still had two squirrels and a ptarmigan and um, but it was just not what I needed. And it was a little, it was a little too late. Um, you know, I didn't get the fish fast enough to prevent the weight loss. And I really, I didn't want to get to that place where I was, you know, risking major organ failure. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um, um so Back to that beach vacation in Bali, which is sounding really good right now. Um, Because, you know, the question that comes up for a lot of people, myself included, is it sounds like a lot of, a lot of um, slog, you know, and a lot of shit. And, and it, it sounds like something that is so much about struggle that it's easy to lose sight of perhaps, and I'm sure there was, um, there were those moments where you felt beauty and peace and Uh magic in that place. And, you know, on a TV show, I don't know if you're going to get as much of that because there's Uh a desire to focus on the conflict and the struggle and the adversity and the negativity and, you know, how we, we deal with those kinds of dramas. And so, you know, I, I don't know if we saw as much as, you experienced represented Uh in those moments of deep connection and rightness in that place where you felt happy and joy and, Uh um, you know, redeemed and rewarded in a different way for, for being there. It wasn't all Uh just a grind. So were there those moments that are coloring your, you know, creativity now that maybe you're, you're thinking about or writing about or, that mm-hmm. is like a, that kind of lights you up when you think of the experience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing that, that sparked me the most was the simplicity of, of life and mm-hmm. the connection exactly that with your environment and how much more fulfilled you can feel by, um, you know, doing less basically. I mean, I had so much fun out there with like, even just making jokes to the camera and like just all reminiscing about my childhood and like you know I'd come up with all these crazy ideas and none of that gets shown I mean of course there's like hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage that they have to wean through and of course you're right like they're gonna pick 
the drama. They want to show the drama because, and and they want to make it as authentic as as possible. They still want to tell your story, but they have to give the the Coles Notes version. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I wish they showed me playing a little bit more because I had some really great you know, moments where I'm just chopping wood and I'm just like singing or, you know, telling jokes and, um, just even sitting in a berry patch, you know, like the simplicity of feeling each little tiny blueberry hit your mouth and feel those sugars, you know, going into you. Like I called it my berry therapy because anytime, like I wouldn't get a fish or wouldn't get a bunny or just like having a rough day, I would go and sit and eat countless cranberries and blueberries um and it was just heaven and I said to myself like when I get home all I want is fish and berries and like (laughs) it's like you know (laughs) it's funny because like when you would expect that after a survival experience like that like you would want I don't know candy and chocolate and ice cream and oh believe me I wanted chocolate um but yeah, it's like the simplicity of life um, and the beauty of the hardships too. I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for for real life challenges um, because I think that's what makes you feel that much more alive. How has your approach in your leadership in the expeditions that you're doing through um, Lure of the North how has this changed your approach to leading others? Do, do you feel like this has made you a different kind of guide and leader? And how do you really offer immersive experiences that help people connect deeply in the wild? Because, you know, I know from our experience in Wild Women Expeditions is that when you're, when you're bringing people into an experience, it takes a while for them to let go of their busy brain and to give themselves permission to be. And mm-hmm. I love what you said about how it's the wild that does the work, you know? And mm-hmm. so I feel like as, uh, as people who work in this, in this um, effort to bring people into relationship with the wilderness at whatever level, it's really about holding the space for the wilderness to work its magic. Um, and uh-huh. it's really hard to have people let go. So you were there for, you know, enough time that you were able to open up and, um, and have those moments of stillness. How do you recreate that when you take a group out and invite them to have some sense of that kind of connection that you experienced? Or do you think it's possible unless you go to that extreme? So how has this changed your approach in Lure of the North offerings? Well, I think right from the get-go, when we started our company, we already knew we wanted to have longer experiences than Mm. uh, what other companies were offering typically. And so our shortest trip is uh, seven days. And, um, you know, our longest thus far has been three weeks. And, um, you know, when, when you're out there, like you had said, you know, it it takes time for people to let go of their chores at home and become a part of the experience. And then, you know, of course, the day before the experience is over, people start 
going back to, oh, when I get home, I'm going to do this. I got to do this. I can't wait for a shower and that kind of thing. And so um, I think I've always been cognizant of that um, and trying to make sure that people get that at least a week out in, in nature because, and then also we also focus on physical trips. Like we, we do offer some trips that are, you know, more um, like around base camp and stuff. But um, I think through physical challenge, it expedites the uh, mental struggles that through it's through those mental uh, exercises that you uh, let go of, you know, things that you've been hanging on to and you maybe do have like a, a little breakdown and that through that, that breakdown, you can rebuild your, your strength and sort of um, appreciate um, where you've come from and, and how you can um, move forward with this sort of new uh, enlightenment. And um, through my experience on alone, I think I've, I have um, generated more compassion for people's struggles. And um, I've always felt that I have a fairly good intuition uh, with reading people and um, kind of seeing through the the barriers that that people put up, and um, and I think through this experience, I've allowed um, myself to just be a little bit more patient with with people's barriers, and also uh, encouraging or having that encouragement to to get through those and to break them down because I've been there, <laughs> mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I do like to remind people when they're, you know, when they're going through hard times is, um, and this is, you know, and I know like some psychologists could call bull on this, but I think reminding yourself that it could always be worse is actually a helpful, um, exercise because, uh, it just helps put things in a little bit of different perspective. And, um, if you can take yourself out of, out of your sort of hardship and look at it with uh, an objective perspective, then, um, you know, you might see the, the result or, or the, the, um, resolve like the, the solution a little bit easier and a little bit faster. If you can sort of step away from what you're going through, um, and break it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I'm, I'm, really curious now what adventures do you have planned next i mean where is your edge now <laughs> yeah it's funny i uh you know at the end of the the show i'm like i can do anything now and <laughs> and, and it's so it's so true um i i am still in in recovery from that experience as far mm-hmm. as my lust for adventure like right now i'm just really digging my kettle and my wood stove and my dog and my couch and my cat um and being at the homestead i'm just really into it um and i'm embracing that because i know like i'm going through this transformation um and i'm feeling more and more uh, empowered and feeling like I can truly do anything. Um, I did, um, regress a little bit, I would say 
um, last winter, especially, I just like, all I wanted to do was, was be home, was be inside. And, um, I'm starting to get that bug, uh, again for venturing out. Um, and we have an incredible adventure planned for next winter. One of the things that I had mentioned that, you know, we wanted to do was be outside for longer and, Dave and I had done a 40 day snowshoe trip, um, back in 2010 and, um, have always wanted to get back out and do it again. Um, but because I'd mentioned our business is growing so quickly that by the time, um, the season wraps up, people are already saying like, what's next next year, like sign me up. And, you know, people are signing up before our schedules are, you know, even live. And so, um, which is an amazing thing and I'm so grateful for it, but it also takes some of that, um, freedom away from us doing, you know, a big adventure. And so last year after coming home, um, and wanting another, you know, amazing experience, but together with Dave, um, we decided that we were going to do a Trans Ontario uh, a crossing from Lake Superior to James Bay um, by snowshoe, um, and it's going to take us uh, about ninety days and um, seven hundred and seventy kilometers um, along the Missinaabi River, Incredible. and so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, you, we thought the only way that we were going to be able to do that was to sell, uh, portions of the experience. And so the nice thing about that route is that there is a remote train bridge, um, over the river every 200 to 250 kilometers. And so they're perfect, like two or three week, uh, legs of the journey. And so that's well we'll restock our food, um, which will be really convenient. And, uh, but what turned out to be us thinking we were going to be selling legs of the journey, we now have, um, 14 people signed up and pay their deposits for the entire, uh, 90 days. And so we actually have to cut, cut people from the, from the list. So there's going to be like tryouts basically (laughs) so that shows how much of a desire and a demand there is for people you know who yeah just need the support you know and and that's I know that you've done a lot of solo tripping and and you you cut your teeth in a lot of ways by doing those kind of solo trips but you know you've also done a lot of group um experiences and and I feel like there's no there's no need to just jump in the deep end and I've heard you talk about this is you know go and get the support and start small and just you know do something but you know for people to go out and and do a three-month expedition like that um I mean the the support that you're providing is so amazing because I'm sure that none of those people would (laughs) feel like they could do that on their own you know or have a partner that would want to set out and and do that and feel feel safe enough to, yeah. to give it a go. So that's that's amazing that you're offering that. Where Thank can people yeah. find out more about your your offerings and your uh, your moccasins and your <laughs> snowshoes and all your all your goodies? Um, yeah, we're well, we're on 
Facebook and Instagram uh, at Lure of the North and uh, on our website, lureofthenorth.com. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I'm like so uh, humbled by the fact that, yeah, people trust us to to take them, you know, out on the wilderness all winter long. Like it's yeah. just... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm truly honored and, and humbled by it. Um, and I think, are you crazy? <laughs> you deserve that trust. I, no do doubt. I deserve it? No I don't know. <laughs> well, you've inspired it and I'm sure that you will, uh, you will lead very, very well that expedition and I'll be following me along. And I know that there's lots of wild women out there who will be, uh, cheering you on and, uh, have been just real fans. Uh, having mm. seen seen this story that you shared with us so thank you so mm. much yeah thank you so much uh, it's <laughs> been great chatting with you and I'm also thrilled to see where you've taken wild women I know it you know it had hum- humble beginnings and you know when you <laughs> when you took hold of it you had this vision of just making this wild women enterprise and you certainly have <laughs> you know you've gone global which is amazing and I'm uh yeah, I wish I wish I could be more a part of of the amazing experiences that you guys do. Um, well, I feel like you're very really... much part of part of our community, and and uh, and again, just inspiring each other where we can. I, you know, I feel like um, this adventure that we're both on is about is about serving and following the call and mm. and just helping to hold that sacred space for for people and in my case women to really step mm. into their relationship with the wild and their adventurous spirit more fully so yeah i, I kind of feel like it's um it's surprising me like you how much uh enthusiasm there is for for what I guess we're both putting out in the world. So you're inspiring yeah. me and uh, I'm glad that you're, you're cheering, cheering on the wild women uh, evolution as well. So. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much, sister. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll put this out and I'm sure that uh, you'll be, you'll be hearing a lot more from, from the wild women of the world. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you take good care of yourself and yeah. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Wild Women Expeditions is a global leader in women's adventure travel, and we're so much more. We're nature lovers. We aim to empower women and communities around the world. Want to know more? Check us out at wildwomenexpeditions.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram.